Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the elder and disability law firm of Victoria L. Collier. Hello, and welcome to Senior Salute Radio. I'm Victoria Collier, your host. Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading age boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. Each show, we also salute the life of a senior. And today, we will be talking about senior services in Gwinnett County, Georgia. And to do that, we have Keith Knapp, who is the president of Gwinnett Council for Seniors, and Jennifer Thilo, executive director of Delmar Gardens of Gwinnett. And we'll be talking to Keith first. And so welcome, Keith, for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And as president of Gwinnett Council for Seniors, you probably are the best person to tell us what is that and what do y'all do? Well, we're an all-volunteer-led nonprofit. There are different uh, services in Gwinnett County. Gwinnett County government has senior services, and then there are parks and recreation that provides senior centers, and uh, then there's also the Friends Foundation, which raises money for Gwinnett Senior Services. So we're the all-volunteer nonprofit that actually connects the senior clubs together, and we educate, we entertain, and we produce a newsletter to keep them informed. And that connection is so important because people often don't know who to call and who to go to. And sometimes myself, even being in the elder care arena as well as a lawyer, is, you know, when people are giving donations or people are looking for services, it's hard to know who to go to. And then when you want to support somebody, who do I support? And so it sounds like you're kind of like the the networker. And so how do you connect them? How do you... Well, we have our, the main facility that we have is supplied by the county. It's called the Brown Building. It's right downtown Lawrenceville on the historic square. And at that building, it's open on Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m., except for holidays. And the phone number there is 770-822-5147. That is our information center. So we have people calling us during those hours or leaving messages, and we're returning their calls about services that they need for themselves or maybe a, a loved one or a neighbor. And so what kind of services would they be able to call and get information about? Because it says, you know, you've said that it's basically informing all seniors about services available to them in Gwinnett County. So what kind of services? If I needed cable service, could I call you? <laughs> <laughs> we would we would point them, still point them in the right direction. But def- definitely, if someone needed Meals on Wheels, we would point them over to Senior Services. If someone needed uh, uh, a ramp to their home and that type of thing, there are services available. Um, or if they just said, we, we need to know who are trusted, uh, vetted businesses in Gwinnett County that serve seniors, we could, of course, refer to them to uh, patrons such as Delmar Gardens uh, to be able to take care of their mom and dad and, and not uh, uh, fall, in, fall in with a, a bad provider. And when they are calling you for services, um, is it your policy or um, your philosophy to give them a, a several to choose from? Or can you say, hey, this is the best, go here? No, we, we can't say that. But, <laughs> but on our website, it does have the links for all of our patrons. We have uh, many dozen uh, patrons of different levels. But um, we definitely uh, would tell them they can come to the center. They can get brochures from each one of these people. They can go to our website, which is uh, GwinnettCouncilForSeniors.org. 
O-R-G. And um, then we can tell them these uh, places they can go and, and see. And we also have patrons who, who do those referral services also that will actually help tour those places with the individuals. We don't provide that service, but our other patrons do. Okay. And so when you say patrons, you're meaning like businesses who help the aging people, the seniors or their families. And so if we're talking about a business who helps go out and look at other businesses, that would be like a care management company, maybe? Uh, a referral service, I think would be the okay. best way to, to right. say that. And so there are, there's a couple of different ones that are out there and they do that where they, uh, some of them you've heard them nationally advertised, some of them are locally advertised, mm -hmm. where they actually will um, help determine what level of care that your loved one needs, whether it's a uh, assisted living or nursing home, or maybe they just need home care. And so with you being the place to go to find information, how do y'all vet these um, businesses and um, before putting them on your list, for example? Right. So we uh, definitely check their reputation, and uh, a lot of them we've already known, um, such as Delmar Gardens, who's here today with us. They've been here in Gwinnett County forever and uh, are just have such a, a sterling reputation. But if it's somebody new that we don't know, we'll definitely check uh, with the state agencies. We'll de definitely uh, check their business licensing and those things. But we also have a provision in our bylaws where it is up to the executive council where we can remove them immediately if there's any problems. And... What about, you know, being able to provide a better quality of life and seeking financial support for certain services? Do you help with those type of services? Um, we don't. We have a shoestring budget, and uh, all of our funds go into our, our events. But um, the Friends Foundation for Friends of Gwinnett Senior Services is the fundraising arm, and they do have large fundraising events, charity events, and I believe uh, Delmar hosts their big charity auction every year, and uh, that, that, we leave that to them. We're, 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 we know our role, and we, we stick to the uh, information and uh, um, the, those things that we need to do. You are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier, and we are speaking with Keith Nabb, the president of Gwinnett Council for Seniors. And so what is the mission for the council? Well, the actual mission statement is that Gwinnett Council for Seniors, is, as an advocate, is to keep the public and local government of Gwinnett County informed of the needs and concerns of senior citizens. We encourage involvement in senior issues by networking and collaborating with concerned organizations and persons to promote a better quality of life. That's the official mission, and really, we stick to that. And you get that information out through a newsletter you mentioned, and what kind of things do you put in your newsletter that would be helpful to seniors? Well, we have uh, a healthy living article. Uh, we have articles from patrons uh, about events that they're having, uh, such as dances, or maybe they're having uh, educational events or, or um, other things uh, for the seniors to do. We also put in their information. This issue has an information about the Asian Retired Senior Volunteer Program. So it's things that people need to know about. And a lot of times it's the, it's the kids uh, of the parents say, hey, mom and dad, look, there's these things you can go do. And it shows them activities and things they can participate in. And you mentioned um, Asian. Now, Gwinnett County is a pretty diverse county. Do you have any specific outreach programs for uh, people of other cultures? Yes, I've served two, two, the last two years I was vice president. And I noticed that in these uh, the past two years. I grew up here in Gwinnett County, and I've seen the county become a minority-majority county. And I noticed that we were not getting the participation from our Hispanic or Korean 
community. We have a large multi-Asian uh, community, but the Korean community is uh, what we're targeting first. And we are having some success. We're working with Gwinnett Medical Center Duluth with their Korean outreach. We're working with the Good Neighboring Campaign. And we're really um, trying our best to this year to really get those people to be involved. They may not come to the meetings because of language barriers, but we are working on translation services to get at least a summary of the newsletter out to their groups so that they can know, but they can also participate in our annual presidential volunteer awards, which they may not be aware of. They can get actually a, a, uh, an award from the Office of the President of the United States for their volunteer hours for their own organization. And so you said that you're working on translation, so you would be doing newsletters in other languages? A, very, a summary. Uh, we're looking at a one-page summary. And we also have a Google Translate feature on our website. Uh, we're putting it on the website, but really the one-page summary is just is a way to start this conversation. Absolutely. And it's going to be very difficult to do it every time. It's an expensive thing to do uh, <laughs> translation services. Yeah, um, but it sounds like very necessary in the community if uh, it's so diverse. And have you all done research that many of the people are aging, or is it younger people? Well, we have a huge baby boomer population, but but in the in the Hispanic and the Korean culture, it's they're very famous for taking care of their parents and bringing their parents here to live with them. And in the uh, in other cultures, we've we've sort of gotten away from that. But in in the Asian and the Hispanic culture, they they still really value having the parents maybe come living in their home or living very close to them. It's a very multi generational uh, aspect of their families. Absolutely. And so you mentioned that you do events. Do you have any events coming up soon? Well, we have our uh, monthly meetings that, that restart for September, October, November, and that's at the Bethesda Senior Center, which is uh, off Ronald Reagan Parkway at Bethesda Church Road, the third Thursday of, of each one of those months. We also have our holiday dance that we're starting to sell tickets for, which is in December, and we have a big band with Motown. It's going to be fun. <laughs> we also have a um, our annual volunteer awards, which is in... Um, May and in uh, March this year, we'll have our lifestyle showcase, which is where our vendors and our clubs get together to attract, you know, uh, the consumers to say, hey, we're available. And uh, it's a nice event that lasts on a Saturday for about four hours. And so is this how you raise the funds to be able to offer the services and the information that you'll offer? Unfortunately, our events don't pay for themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> they pay for some of the some of the things, but uh, we, we really try to keep them very either free or maybe $10 or maybe $15 uh, on the Christmas dance because it isn't an elaborate event. But we have to rely on our, our sponsors and uh, our patrons. And so we have patronage for printing the newsletter. We have patronage for sponsoring the band. We have patronage for everything that you can think of. And that's a big part of my job as the president of the nonprofit is to to raise those funds and um, it's 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 a lot of work but we're really having a lot of success we really encourage these patrons to participate it's a good gentle way for them to reach show goodwill to the senior community and so the events are really for awareness that you're out there and you can provide help but you need partners mm -hmm. um, and so can I say who the partners are yes um, absolutely yeah. Th those are our platinum sponsors you're looking at there okay so the platinum sponsors that helps get the word out as far as the Gwinnett Council for Seniors and all the resources and education available um, is Homestead Senior Care Garden Plaza at Lawrenceville Health and Human Services Gwinnett County that's a government organization right. correct mm -hmm. um, Anderson Tate and Carr what do they do they are also elder law Okay. And Sunbright, what do they do? Sunbright is uh, home services, a home repair, and uh, handyman services. 
Gwinnett County Parks and Recs, I think we know what they do, Mm -hmm. um, Assisted Choice, Affordable Medicare Solutions, and Delmar Gardens of Gwinnett, who we have with us today as well. That's right. They take center spot on our newsletter. They are our longest-term patron. And certainly, as you said before, have a stellar reputation. Um, And so what else would you like us to know about the Gwinnett Council for Seniors? Well, for one, it is a nonprofit that is all volunteers. So it's unfortunate we can't do everything, but we are really a good resource that people uh, are sometimes unaware of. It's a large county. We've got a huge population and 120,000 seniors, I think. And we have 120 that come to the meetings. They're getting overwhelming the number of people, but they can at least get the newsletter by email. And that's a very simple thing. They can email us at GwinnettCouncilForSeniors at gmail.com, and we'll put them on the email list to receive the quarterly newsletter. And I just want to make sure everyone knows that council, when you're doing Gwinnett Council for Seniors, council is C-O-U-N-C-I-L, not council as in the lawyer council. But uh, That's right. (laughs) Great. And so can you tell us um, a story about how having this resource has impacted some seniors that you've been able to personally observe? It's amazing. They come, and um, so many of them, a lot of times, will, will ride with a friend to come to the meeting. And they get to come out, and we had a luau this this uh, July, which was really fun. And not only did they come with their friends, it gave them something to do to come out. They had fun. They had food. They laughed a lot. But then we even had some of our disabled um persons also that came and there was a whole table of about 15 of them and i got a call the next week they said that they still were wearing their lays they still were having fun with it and they just wouldn't stop talking about how much fun they had and it's really heartwarming it's nice left a lasting impression it did and they made me wear um what is that called a the grass skirt and made made me dance to the Hawaii Five O theme. <laughs> did we get that on video? Yes. yes, did, yes. <laughs> well, tell us again the phone number that people can call to get information. The uh, phone number at the Brown Building, which is our information center, is seven seven zero eight two two five one four seven. And can I read the email again? Yes. The uh, web address is GwinnettCouncilForSeniors.org. And the email address is GwinnettCouncilForSeniors at gmail.com. Just let us know that you would like to have the newsletter, and we will put you on the email blast list. And also, again, for the last time, is the hours that y'all are open. Yes, since we are all volunteers, it's 10 to 2, 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. daily, Monday through Thursday, except for holidays. Excellent. Well, Keith, that is some wonderful information, and it's nice to know that Gwinnett County has such an organization and that there are volunteers willing to put in their time for that because seniors are definitely uh, where it's at. Like you said, you, we've got a growing population of baby boomers, 10,000 per day for mm-hmm. the next 15 years so Amazing. or so. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'd like to turn to Jennifer Thilo, who is uh, the executive director at Delmar Gardens of Gwinnett, and you are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the elder and disability law firm of Victoria L. Collier. And Delmar Gardens of Gwinnett is both an assisted living facility as well as a skilled nursing facility, right? Yes, it is also um, an independent living community, and and we have a short-term rehab center on campus as well. So you do it all. We have it all. (laughs) (laughs) And how long have y'all been there? Delmar Gardens opened in 1988. I've been with Delmar Gardens for 19 years. And that is unheard of for our listeners out there. If you 
know anything about the healthcare services. Um, it is a business that has a lot of turnover because it's high stress. But when you find a business, a facility that provides high level of care, it's because their executive director has been there for so long that it's a good company, basically. And that starts at the top. And I mean, you're at the top, of course, but the owners of the business. It, it definitely does. It's a wonderful company to work for. It's a family-owned company. And although we have two communities in Georgia and several in the Midwest and Missouri, it still retains that, um, that family feeling. Um, working there every morning, I feel like I'm coming to see my large extended family. Um, there's that commitment to the residents, and um, even the staff have a commitment to each other. And I know every year I learn new things, and I'm glad that all of my accumulated knowledge can benefit my residents directly rather than having to reinvent the wheel every right. year. And you have to make a commitment, too, because you don't live right next door to where you, li to where you work. <laughs> I don't. You have to drive in uh, Atlanta traffic. Um, and, you know, the thing about Delmar Gardens that I know is that people enjoy being there and not just the people who live there which is very important but their family members enjoy going to visit as well and you don't hear that a lot at some other places um and i in fact um one of my staff members was talking to another facility about um a matter and she asked her would you put your own mother here where you work and the person said no oh my <laughs> No, uh, but I know that's not the case at Delmar. No, my uh, grandmother <laughs> is in our nursing center in the long-term wing. My stepfather is very happy in our assisted living, and uh, he started in our independent living. And I, I would look forward to being there myself if, if the need should arise. <laughs> and so would I. Um, so tell us more about um, the need for care. Now, y'all do um, the all the different levels. And um, when should families start looking for or talking about senior living in general? And so I don't mean like skilled care, but just like the independent living, maybe. Way before you need it. Um, <laughs> the, the worst time to make a huge lifestyle decision is when you're in a crisis. And often that is when people call me and come into my office in, in a lot of turmoil um, I think it's important to look at places far before you think you might need it so that then um, you can make decisions and be in the driver's seat. But Jennifer, we're never going to need it. So, <laughs> and I think part of that is because we don't know the differences between the levels of care uh, because we always just think the skilled care. So can you talk to us about the different levels of care that would be offered in the different communities? Yes. Um, I think the biggest um, misconception is independent living people often don't think about. And um, I often hear people say the best place for a senior is in their home. And I believe that the best place for a senior is where they're going to be fully engaged in their life. And if being in a suburban home um, makes you isolated and detached because you're afraid to drive, um, if walking down a sloping driveway puts you at risk for a fall or a hip fracture, um, if you know carrying your groceries from your trunk in your garage up a couple steps in your kitchen puts you at risk um, for landing in a nursing home, you know I, I question whether that's the best place. And a senior living community for the active independent senior 
really removes the burdens that prevent seniors from being actively engaged in their life. Um, and at this level, um, a lot of services are provided, such as maybe housekeeping or maintenance, transportation services. All those things that we wish that we had the money to pay for when we were younger and had really, really busy lives, like, you know, taking care of our kids and stuff like that. If someone would just clean my house for me, right? right. Now we've deserved, we've earned it, we've deserved it, and now we can get it. And I see that <laughs> seniors really are more independent and more active when they have some support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone has that fear, I don't want to to be, I don't want to lose my independence, but I think actually being really trapped in your home, you're, you're less independent and less engaged. Um, assisted living includes all of those, those uh, services, but also might include help with medication management, help with bathing or grooming, um, folks checking on you throughout the day, um, the availability of some nursing um, oversight if needed. Um, and just maybe just constant healthy meals can make the difference between am I declining more rapidly than I would if I was in a environment that made sure I ate regularly and healthy. Absolutely. I've had residents move into our assisted living because they were so nutritionally depleted, dehydrated, um, confused even as a result of infections. And after having good food, exercise, socialization, no longer being depressed, they became highly functional and very vibrant and moved into independent living. Everyone assumes it's a, a constant decline, but that's actually not at all the case. Um, we also have a short-term rehab center on the campus, and many times people come to our rehab center after a hip fracture or stroke, hospital stay that's left them debilitated. And uh, the nice thing about our campus is that we have the full range of amenities available. So even though they're in a somewhat medical and rehabilitative area, they can come and dine with our independent residents in a beautiful lakeside dining room. They can go out and feed the geese when they're feeling up to the grandchildren can come and visit. And it's a fun, as you said, you know, opportunity as opposed to a depressing medical opportunity. Um, those residents often do go home, but sometimes once they've seen what independent is, what independent living is, or sometimes assisted living, if they do continue to need a little bit of support, they may choose. So many times when people come to our community, they're actually getting better and better as opposed to declining. Right. And then they may not be as hesitant to make that transition when ultimately it becomes necessary on a permanent basis. Right. And one of the wonderful things about Delmar is that because you have all levels, the one thing that I hear from clients so often, married clients, is we don't want to be separated. We don't want to be separated. We'll do anything to stay together. And sometimes together can be on the same campus, but in two different levels of care. So they still can see each other every day, have meals with each other every day, um, and stay on the same campus and know that there may be like one's in the skilled care and one's in the assisted living or one's in assisted living and one's in independent living. Do you have that situation? Very often, yes. Um, And there are a lot of creative ways to make it work. Um, And the best way for the residents, I usually just sit down with them and see what their goals are. Um, Some people want to spend a lot of time together. And for some people, that just becomes so stressful. And it's such a relief to know. (laughs) For one of them, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and it's nice for a husband and wife to be a husband and wife with each other as opposed to a nurse. Um, and, you know, a patient and to have that relationship where there is nursing staff to take care of those needs or care staff to help with those needs. And that way they don't have to fight and argue and be dependent or a caretaker for the other. Right. 
You are listening to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Display Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier, and we are speaking with Jennifer Thilo, the Executive Director at Delmar Gardens of Gwinnett. Now, Jennifer, you know, how should children broach this topic with their parents if they feel that they need that level of care and they can't receive it at home for whatever reason? Again, ideally, I think to do it when there's not a crisis and it's not a very high-pressure situation, it's great to say, hey, Mom, I was just updating my advanced directives. I was just thinking about what my goals are for the future um, and what things I would like for my retirement. And, you know, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what's important to you. And even starting with, how are you doing right now? Um, I know the lawn care is really hard or... You know, I know you used to really enjoy going to church, and I see you're not doing that anymore. Um, I see the piles are piling up of the junk mail, and right. where, where did the bills go? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And just visiting and being present in your parents' life. I know sometimes that can be hard from a distance. Um, I think saying, hey, why don't we go check out a community, check out some places, so that way we'll know in the distant future when you might need someone. Um, I know sometimes I've had families come in and say, we're checking this out for her sister, but I'm really thinking that maybe, you know, she'd, <laughs> I need her to see it too. Um, whatever's unthreatening, oftentimes when a senior does come in, they're uh, reluctant and not had not been really in favor of the trip. But when they come to Delmar Gardens and see it, they say, oh, wow, this is not at all what I expected. <laughs> right, because they're still thinking about, you know, the 1950s environment, which is totally different than what it is today. Right. And I think, you know, the current the generation of seniors that are moving in right now also do not feel that they deserve things that are luxurious. They don't feel that they deserve pampering. I think... The younger generation is more spoiled and I think ready for it sometimes. That's right. The children are saying, when can I move in? Exactly. But what I heard you say is lead by example, by Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I've put my stuff in order and I'm really thinking about the future. So let's talk about your future and then also invite them on a trip, maybe um, to go have lunch Mm -hmm. um, at Del Mar Gardens or something like that, right, to... Right. Or attend. uh, Most senior communities have activities. Um, For example, we're having a dance next Thursday, and that's a great fun way. Hey, I hear that Delmar Gardens is holding a dance. Why don't we go? Um, And it's a fun way to have a good time and see something in a way that's unthreatening and not so you know, intimidating. Right. Now, there are a lot of different communities out there, and there's all the different levels, as you've talked about. Um, And so how would someone know what to look for or what to ask when they're looking for placement? I think the most important thing of all is to observe the interactions between staff, residents, um, more so than the building, uh, more so than, you know, any kind of governmental scoring system to walk in um, and see what your gut feeling is. If the residents are talkative and alert and seem engaged in their community, or do they seem um, passive and unengaged? Um, Do you see the staff talking to the residents in a way that's genuine and respectful? Um, I, that is something that I, I can tell you in a heartbeat walking into a community, whether it's a genuinely um, enriching 
um, and supportive community. Um, there are lots of other ways. I mean, certainly, you know, using all of your five senses. But if you can also talk to residents, um, most people who come to Delmar Gardens come because they they know someone who either has lived there or have a family member live there. And I think that kind of word of mouth is also important. Absolutely. When I'm telling people out in the community, because we do a lot of education as well, is Personal referral is number one, the best. But even with that, you still have to check them out because, you know, um, everyone has different personalities and every place has a different personality. Uh, But without that personal referral, you're really just throwing darts at the wall unless you go in and check it yourself. And so do you do tours? Oh, always. We provide tours seven days a week um, at at the convenience of a family because I know everyone is busy and has a lot of demands on their time, um, definitely do a tour. And that's, again, why it's important to try to do this ahead of time. The worst thing is to be flat on your back in the hospital and have the discharge planner come (laughs) and say, this is the nursing home that said yes the fastest. Um, How soon can you vacate the bed? Um, Not that it's quite that harsh, but I think it can (laughs) feel that way. (laughs) It can be. Um, And sometimes the one that says yes the fastest is not necessarily where you want to be. So definitely do your homework way before you need it. Mm-hmm. And so what can be done in addition to doing your homework in advance, but what can be done to make the transition, the actual transition easier? I think it's important for all people to just realize and accept that getting older is yet another stage of our life and that all stages are frightening. I have a high school student and before he went to high school, you know, it was terrifying and he's looking at going to college and he's a little bit scared. But we don't look at these transitions as being awful. We we support them. And I think that we sometimes uh, look at aging as something we're going to pretend is never going to happen and we're never going to need that instead of embracing it. And, you know, I've been to three different parties for graduating seniors and helping them to prepare for their college life. It would be nice if we celebrated retirement and really supported people and making those transitions. Um, I think for families just again, being engaged, talking about it, openly visiting, um, and not pretending it's not happening would be a huge step. But, and, but you said something very significant and that is we do see aging and the transitions that go on with aging as a negative. And then that does negatively impact what that, how that transition is going to go. And there are very positive ways to be able to embrace it. Um, and so, you know, Delmar Gardens, I've seen it places that, you know, and what I've heard is that when you move into a place, try to make it look as much like their home as possible um, before they get there. And so I assume that there's a process to move someone in. Yes, and everybody's different, but definitely bringing um, items from home that are important. And I know for me, I'm already looking at my belongings and saying this would be something that that's a keeper and (laughs) and this is something I don't need. But, you know, those things that are special to you bring with you. Um, But I think having that positive attitude to making new friends. I've had many, many residents tell me I wish I had come sooner. Um, Farm, you know. I haven't had folks say, "Wow, this is a disastrous choice." You know, I just <laughs> unfortunately I've never had anybody that I've referred to you uh, say that either. <laughs> so, but that's true though. Is that everyone in hindsight, of course, says, "I wish I had done this sooner." I get people in my office all the time. I wish I'd known about you four years ago, and that seems right. to be the magic number. It's four years ago, which means that there's a whole lot going on before they actually are in enough pain emotionally to make that transition. 
So what would you suggest that people can do um, to start educating themselves and start making that mental transition to open themselves up to come to communities and at least check them out, if not move in? Well, being involved in organizations like the Gwinnett Council for Seniors is a wonderful way. I've been attending those meetings and involved for uh, my 19 years at Delmar Gardens. Um, and it is a way for seniors to talk to other seniors and and hear, oh, so-and-so's moved to Delmar Gardens. Um, we sometimes host lunches for their friends after someone's moved in because it's such a nice way for them to stay connected. And even for their friends to overcome their fear of visiting you know, gee, you know, Jane is now in Delmar Gardens and they have visions of what that might be like in coming and they see what a wonderful place it is. Um, you know, I think that really the, what the biggest obstacle is our fear of aging and our um, failure to embrace that as just another vibrant and wonderful stage of life um, and seeing only the negatives as opposed to the positives. Well, I know that your facility is also, y'all do a lot of education events as well. I've been there a few times to talk about just regular estate planning. Um, and that often can be the beginning of that conversation. Um, like you were saying before is, Hey, I've done my estate planning. Maybe we should talk about yours. Um, and so getting people to come to listen to true education that could benefit them that has nothing to do with move in here tomorrow, um, I think is another wonderful thing that y'all do that is non-threatening, but yet let somebody see the environment. We host many events, um, the Gwinnett um, Senior Senior Games. Um, we host their putting competition. We have a dance coming up. We have many speakers and fall festivals and um, lots of opportunities to come visit. Now, I know, you know, my passion in elder law um, stems a lot from I used to work in a nursing home as a nurse's aide back in 1989. And then when I went in the military, I did home health care as a job, uh, second job at nighttime. And I just love um, the hands on part of working with seniors. Um, and you've been here for 19 years. Why do you do what you do? I think my love for working with seniors did start with my very close relationship to my grandmother. Um, and we were so close and I always enjoyed being with her. And uh, we had such a great relationship that even when I was in high school and college, I volunteered at various senior centers and always loved the um, interaction and kind of that mutual support and affection that we shared with each other. So coming to Delmar Gardens was kind of like coming home for me. And um, I enjoy working with people and connecting with people, um, whether it's the residents, their families, our wonderful staff. Um, and so to me, I, I get to work on a beautiful campus and a beautiful building with caring people all day. And f I feel like I help people uh, make their lives better. So it's rewarding. And you definitely are a huge asset to Delmar Gardens, but more importantly, to the people who live there and their family members and my clients that we've referred there as well. How can people find out more information about Delmar Gardens? Um, you can go to our website, uh, Delmar Gardens, www.delmargardens.com. Um, call me at 770-923-3100. Say that again. 770-923-3100. I would love for you to come out and have a tour or lunch or just talk to you about any concerns that anyone might have regarding a loved one or themselves. Um, the best thing really to do is to come out and see us and, um, you know, take your time to have all your questions answered. And so should they schedule that or can they just drop by? 
you can drop by, but if you schedule it, we'll make sure we have plenty of uninterrupted time. We do have a manager, um, several managers available every day, seven days a week, but uh, scheduling it does give you more more uninterrupted time and, and be sure that we can answer your questions and show you what you're most interested in. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing all that wonderful information about not just Delmar Gardens, but um, good information when family members are looking for a community and how to do that. So. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Victoria. Absolutely. And now is the special moment where we salute a senior. And today we are saluting James and Betty Abercrombie through written format from their son, Jim, and his wife, Frances, who were caregivers for um, James and Betty. And so I'd like to read this. James Abercrombie was raised in a large family that had worked on a series of dairy farms. He graduated from high school south of Atlanta and then worked in an alumni aluminum plant, an aluminum plant. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, James headed to a Navy recruiter, but was told that because of a hernia, he would not be accepted into the service. A stubborn man, he was undeterred. He went back to work, saved up his money for the surgery, and when healed, headed back to the Navy recruiting office. He was accepted in 1943. James met Betty Ruth Abercrombie, the woman who would be my mother. Again, this is from James. Um, I'm sorry, this is from Jim, who would be my mother shortly afterward. On August 15, 1943, he met her at Colonial Hills Baptist Church in East Point, Georgia, on the south side of Atlanta, at a Sunday night meeting for young adults. After one date, he left East Point for Norfolk and basic training. His next letter he wrote on August 27, 1943, from the Navy base. His thoughts about mother are easy to know. For the next two years, he wrote mother letters on onion skin paper, and on Navy-issued airmail air mail forms. In the two years he was set at sea in the South Pacific, he wrote almost every day. Mother's letters to him were all lost. They were most likely jettisoned as the ship returned to its home base to be taken out of duty. However, Mother kept James's letters in a chest in the attic. In the attic. By November 8, 1943, James and the crew were in San Diego preparing the destroyer escort USS Fair 35 for its long journey to Okinawa. James was a gunner's mate. When he first wrote Mother, he told Betty he was writing to her while sitting on a magazine. She thought it was reading material and not ammunition. <laughs> he wrote, Betty, I have not been knowing you very long, but it seems that we have been lifetime friends. I enjoy hearing from you more than any of my friends. In 1944, with the war hotly fought, the USS Fair moved among the South Pacific Islands headed towards Okinawa. He wrote to Mother, Sweetheart, do you want to know where I am? I am a long, long way from home trying to do my part towards winning this war so I can come home to you. I will never, and this is another quote, I will never forget the first night I had to man my battle station. My thoughts turned to you as though you knew what was taking place and could help me. Honey, let me say that you have been a comfort to me more than one time in this hour of darkness. Do as I ask and take me to rest with you tonight. In the summer of 1945, the USS Fair began the journey back to San Diego. With the war intensifying, the USS Fair was returning for repairs and renewal. After two years of service, 
James would have the opportunity to see the woman he had written to day after day, and they were to be married. Betty wrote diary notes in her devotional book, Streams in the Desert. James is home, August 3, 1945. Married my jimmies. They had a honeymoon at a tourist cabin on a lake in North Georgia. While there, on August 6 and the 9th, on August 6th and the 9th, the atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The war was essentially over. James returned to San Diego to shut down the ship. James and Betty had one child. I was born the day after Christmas, 1947. Betty wrote another entry on their anniversary date in her devotional book, Diary, Monday, August 3rd, 1998, 53rd anniversary. Neurologist says two to three years ahead, James will be into some form of dementia as Mildred, Sarah, and Mary Helen, his sisters, began his medication. God, you are in control. You will see us through. Heaven awaits. Sorry, I'm about to cry probably. Uh, James lived, even at times, with joy and humor in spite of Alzheimer's until January 2010. They had been married for more than 65 years. Those last years were difficult. Fortunately, we had legal and financial advice and assistance from Victoria and her staff. That was nice. They made the navigations of a difficult journey possible and at times even joyful. One staff member I only have half-jokingly called my adopted sister. I don't know how, I don't know what I would have done without the guidance of the whole team. I had not read this until just now, but, um, but yes, uh, James Abercrombie and his wife, Betty, were extremely sweet, and uh, we have um, video of his service as well, and, and both of them uh, talking about veterans' benefits that he was able to get because of being in the VA, and his family has just been very dear, and um, someone definitely worthy of honoring their life and their love for each other that endured a war and then many, many years thereafter. You have been listening to Senior Salute, which airs live every Friday at 3 p.m. and is also available 24-7 online by visiting seniorsalute.businessradiox.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. I want to thank our guest, Keith Knapp, President, Gwinnett Council for Seniors, and Jennifer Thilo, Executive Director, Delmar Gardens of Gwinnett, and our listeners. We salute you.